before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. This podcast is brought to you in part by InHaven. You know, it seems obvious, but it's true. Guests feel more comfortable and are more likely to recommend your property when they feel like they're well taken care of. InHaven is your one-stop shop for hosting essentials like hypoallergenic sheets, luxe towels, durable kitchenware, and oh, my friends, do they have all the decorative accents. And all of InHaven's products will make your property feel like it's a true getaway for anyone that stays. Now, InHaven also makes shopping for your rental so much fun because it's so easy and way more affordable than driving all over town. Plus, sign up is free for all short-term rental hosts. And to say thank you for listening to my podcast, you can now get $50 off your first order. All you have to do is go to inhaven.com backslash sister, start shopping, and enter the code sister at checkout to snag your 50 bucks off. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And now let's get back into the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and I am so freaking delighted to be spending some time with you today. Thank you for having me. Now, before we dive into today's interview, I want to share a quote I saw recently that resonated with me. And it says, if you're one of those people who has that little voice in the back of her mind saying, maybe I could do, and you fill in the blank, don't tell it to be quiet. Give it a little room to grow and try to find an environment it can grow in. And that little voice um, is certainly something I'm going to say should absolutely continue to grow. What great words of inspiration provided to us by Reese Witherspoon. Now, today I am chatting it up with world-traveling STR designer Paige Hayes. And Paige takes such a unique approach to design. I cannot wait for you to hear all about it. So without further ado, let's dive into my interview with Paige Hayes. So today we are talking interior design with Paige Hayes. Paige, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for the invite. I am excited to be here. (laughs) Yay! So before we dive into all things interior design, tell us first a little bit about who you are and where you're located. Yes. I am a mom (laughs) and uh, I have two little boys and I am also a full-time traveler. So we travel full-time domestically and internationally and we have done it for 
about two and a half years now, which is crazy. And we kind of, we stay like in a mix. We have a, we have a, an RV that we stay in here uh, when we're in the US a lot, but then we stay in a lot of Airbnbs around the world. So that's something that I really, I don't know. I love, I love getting to experience uh, places that way. And I also do Airbnb design. So it's like a big source of inspiration for me. I have been doing design for uh, a little bit over a decade now, and I love it. And I specifically love short-term rental design. I was just going to say that's so amazing. And I feel like we could do a whole separate podcast episode on the life of a full-time traveler because I am sure that you experience so many things that are quite interesting, shall we say? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I bring a lot, like I bring a lot of the experiences back with me and like incorporate those things into our own properties, you know, uh, just especially like having kitchens, like well-stocked kitchens or things for kids or just, I don't know. I try to like really take into account the things that are important to us when we travel and make those available to everybody as part of the design. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. We love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So cool. Now talk with us about how you got started. You mentioned you've been doing interior design for about 10 years or so. How did you get started designing properties to begin with? So I didn't actually, like, I didn't go to school for design or anything. I went to school for anthropology. Uh, and archaeology. And I just have always really loved stories and the stories of people and the stories of places and like how things from the past incorporate into today and just what we can carry with us. And I just love everything about <laughs> stories and people. So that's why I did anthropology in school. When I got out of school, I realized that I didn't really like the logistics of that, that job as much. Uh, and my mom has been doing interior design. I'm from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and she's been doing design there pretty much my whole life. So I went to work for my mom and I got to learn everything from her. And I really, I was very, very fortunate that she did that because I don't know, when you learn from a parent, a lot of people think that like you get the favoritism or, you know, but actually it's kind of the opposite. Like you really you have to work a lot harder and just really be good at what you do. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you have your mom on you. <laughs> so otherwise you're going to time out, right? No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was fortunate to work on just like a huge range of different projects. And so being in Steamboat, we did a lot of like really, really high end ground up second homes for people. And it was every little tiny detail from you know, the drapery panels and the detailing on those, like at $500 a yard for the fabric, like down to the interface of the trim in this one corner. And so I really got like a very strong foundation of how important the details are and how the details really make up the whole picture. And I think that that has been huge for me in short-term rental design, because I think a lot of times people tend to think like, well, we'll just, we'll just furnish it. We'll throw it all in and it'll be fine. But we're kind of getting to a point where that really isn't the case. So in addition, we also did short-term rental design kind of before, before Airbnb was around. So we were in a ski town. And so it was just 
vacation rentals. And again, kind of second homes for our clients, but mostly just income properties. And I've always loved doing those because you get more more space to be creative. There are kind of like less parameters on trying to fit people's like family heirlooms in and you, you know, you, you just get to do everything uh, yeah. very creatively. And this, that's where I found the story part too. So cool. So I, I want to talk really quickly about those details because I think that that's a really important thing to talk about today. You know, yes, we can all buy beautiful furniture, but furniture is only a part of the equation. It's how does this property make me feel when I walk into it? And we don't necessarily get a feeling from a dresser, right? We get the feeling just from, to your point, all those small little details that uh, play into the fabric of the story of a property. So I love that. Talking about story of the property, I know that that is something that you are really passionate about. Can you walk us through, you know, what a story of a property really is? Let's start there because I'm sure that it's a concept that maybe folks haven't heard of before. Yeah, absolutely. So the story is the first place that I start, of course, because I love stories, <laughs> but it's kind of like a broad, it's the term that I use for the broader concept of, first of all, determining who your guest avatar is, why they are going to be coming to the area. More importantly, why they might come to stay with you over other people. How long are they going to be staying? Where are they going to be coming from? Like, what are their demographics? And then you are going to work through your design with that foundation and kind of design your property for those guests and what they're looking for, how it's going to stand out to them. And then you sort of incorporate that into your specific property as well. So obviously if you have a, you know, a ranch, we're in, I'm sitting in our property right now, which is a ranch house in Northwest Colorado. And we call it the outpost. It's the outpost is the name. And the reason our story here is I love old fort design and if they have these old fort museums around here in Colorado and I've always been so drawn to them and you go in and you see they have them kind of reconstructed as how they would have looked back then. And it's so cool because they have just this amazing combination of like antiques and stuff that people like really nice things that people brought from back east like on their wagons as well as like mixed in like Aztec blankets and uh, like big bear rugs and just like these rustic like lanterns. And it's just a really, really neat mix. But the forts used to be somewhere that people would stop on their way to somewhere else. Or it was like somewhere that they could stay and have just like some comfort and some peace from their really long journey while they're on their way to somewhere else. And so that's what I really wanted. That's what, that's what I came to for our story here is this is kind of a transitional area as well. We are, we're in Northwest Colorado. We're a secondary market to Steamboat. So we're in Craig. And a lot of times we do just get people who are kind of passing through. And we really wanted to make it a place where they could feel comfortable and at home for whatever brief time they're here and kind of like rest and recharge on their way to wherever it is that they're going. So that's kind of our story here (laughs) 
and maybe kind of gives a little bit of an example of how it all kind of incorporates. So mm-hmm. I put our story together before I started the design. So I had it all in mind the whole time as I was picking things out, as I was doing the layouts, as I was planning what we were going to put in, as we were planning our upgrades, which are also amenities. I just having that starting point and like answering those questions ahead of time helps you build this really amazing experience and it helps you choose all those details that are then going to just make your property just stand out if in the end like you don't you don't have to try to make it stand out then because it will do it on its own yeah and I'm so intrigued by this because I would imagine that for someone like you who is creative who is passionate about stories it might be and correct me if I'm wrong it might be easy for you to walk into a property and and maybe be drawn almost immediately to what that property story might be. For those of us regular people in the world, I would imagine someone might be listening and going, okay, that's all great, Paige, but how do I, like, how do I do that? I'm not a creative person. What would your recommendations be? Like, how would someone go about creating a story, even if it's from thin air? Yes. So that can, it can be really hard sometimes. I, especially if you, if you're in like a suburb or somewhere where the property doesn't have like an already evident story, or even if you don't know where to start, that's part of what I forgot to mention that like, yes, in addition to doing design, I also now teach it to other people. So that's, uh, I've, I've become very familiar with like that exact thing of how, how other people can work through that step by step. And it just, it starts with kind of answering a series of questions, which like we, you know, talked about a little bit already, who are you targeting as your guests? Like that is like first and foremost going to determine your property story. Even if there's nothing built in, nothing around it, like who do you want to be coming to stay with you? And so once you answer that, then you just can kind of build off. And the other things to take into consideration are of course your location and you know, what kind of, if there are state parks around or if there are attractions, what are people coming for? If it's a seasonal locality, why people are coming to stay with you. (laughs) And then from there, that's when you work it into your own specific property and what's going to jump out to those guests. And if there is, again, nothing there, that's when you start to work on, well, what could be there to appeal to them? And so it's really just like, it's just like a series of small steps that then will get you to that final having your story. And once you have that story in place or an idea of what that could be, I'm curious if you could share like some examples, even from your own home that you're sitting in that has the story of the fort, right? What types of things then go into the little details to make that story come to life? So the, the method that I use and that I teach the design method, I guess I call it the SUF method. And it's story, it says the beginning, and then style, then upgrades, and then function, and then fit. So it's just like working through these steps and then at the end you get there. And so once you have your story, then that's when you start looking at the style. So we talk about like going and finding all of your concepts and going on Pinterest and just putting together everything that 
jumps out to you in terms of that story or that you think fits that story. Actually, I was listening to the episode with Tatiana Taylor-Tate and she mentioned this too, like putting all the stuff together onto the Pinterest boards. And then once you have it, it's amazing how you can see the theme through there. Um, and so like you get your, your big picture and then you also can pick and choose some little details and you say, oh, like this would be a really nice feature to have here. Or like, I'm gonna kind of look for this here and not copy. I never ever, ever want people to copy other properties because that, it keeps you from standing out. It's one thing to say like, okay, this is like, they're doing something right, you know? And so like, let's look at what they're doing right and think about how we can work something like that into our property or make ours even better. But when you are just like cookie cuttering everything, that's when, even if you're copying a standout property, then you're still, it's not standing out. Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. <laughs> it's important though, because I often think, I'm totally gonna go squirrel here for a second, but I often see pictures of properties and I am thinking, what course is out there that is teaching people to buy these plastic chairs with the, the four legs that are going out, you know, in 45 degree angles? And it's like, am I... Am I missing it somewhere? First of all, right. I want to know who's teaching that. And number two, it's does, does anyone realize that when you are just copying and pasting design, you are backing yourself into a corner that you don't want to be in because you look like everyone else, exactly. right? Exactly. And even, I mean, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing that's happening right now too, because even if you're copying somebody's very bold and in your face design, which is, you know, now everybody's popping the colors and the accent walls and like, that's cool. That's great. But, but it may not be the right thing for your property. And when you do it and ev then everybody has the same thing still, then it's all, it's, there's nothing different and it's not going to stand out when everybody is doing the same thing. So it's, uh, in my opinion, just about like following that process of determining what's going to, who your guests are and what is going to stand out to them. And then yeah. like just tailoring your design to that across the board and the yeah. details, again, like considering your guests <laughs> um, and considering your location and the little things. So there, there are, there are so many details. Like, and, and I know it's, it's a lot. Like when you start thinking about, okay, well, if a little detail is like what kind of coffee maker I have and a little detail is like what kind of bookends or if I have books or what kind of books they are and then the drapes and then the chairs and like there are so many details to think about but building those concepts first and having like a very general and overarching style that direction that you're going to go towards then makes it really a lot easier to kind of pinpoint the little details that you want to add right so cool now, I do want to pause and say, if any of our listeners have the plastic chairs with the wooden <laughs> legs that go out at 45 degrees, I am totally sorry. Right. I just want to thank you. And you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with those chairs. And some, they work right. for some places. They work, but it's not, it's not, again, like there shouldn't be, I, I always warn people of the, the dangers of getting the furniture packages too, because it's. There's no simple answer. There's no across the board, like this is going to work for every property. It mm -hmm. just doesn't exist. Every property is very unique and it's its own special things. Mm -hmm. And that's why people stay in short-term rentals. 
Yep. All right. So you've got your story in place. You've got your design concepts figured out. You've got maybe even your property furnished. From there, how does one create a background or even a quote brand for that individual property? What what are your thoughts on that? So luckily at that point, if you've kind of gone through the whole story and everything and really kept it in mind, luckily at that point, it's very easy to transition that onto your listing and onto social media and into your photos and everything. So I take all of our pictures on my iPhone and it's that's part of what I teach as well. And I know that's like a big no-no for some people, but it actually, iPhones are amazing. <laughs> It's amazing the capabilities and it's something, this is another tangent, sorry, but it will follow back to the end. <laughs> it's, it's something that you can do and also for your social media and kind of, again, getting your property's brand down, you want to get your name figured out. I think it, I do think it's important for properties to have a name. People are going to associate that then with the place they're going to associate it. It's just easier to remember, you know? and especially direct booking and finding you on social. And then your brand, like if you want to do a logo as well, I love Canva. I make logos in Canva and just kind of put it all together into that story and write it into your listing too. I know I love to write. So ChatGPT hasn't been like the biggest, most amazing thing for me because writing is what I like to do. But for people who don't, like, Feed it all into ChatGPT, feed it your story, and then ask it to like incorporate that into a really well-written listing. And that is a great way to just keep it all in there. And then having the photos that tell the story, nothing is going to sell your property to your guests like the photos. And you can do the best, most amazing, beautiful design. But if you don't photograph it right, then nobody's going to want to come stay with you. And I'm sorry to say that, but like, it's, I think I just have a Facebook group that is geared towards short-term rental design. And, uh, I, a lot of times that's what I see. People spend so much time and so much effort into their properties and they can tell, you can tell they're beautiful, but they say like, why am I not getting bookings? And a lot of times you look at it and it's because the photos don't do justice to the property. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the big reasons that I am a proponent of kind of taking it into your own hands and learning to, if you can, if you have the ability to take the photos yourself, because like I, if you have a great photographer available to you, I absolutely, like I'm a huge proponent of doing, getting a professional and they know what they're doing. But then some other photographers, there are a lot of them that will say that they do know what they're doing, but then what you get is like real estate photos. And they don't tell the story and they don't like evoke feelings in your guests. And they're not going to, it just, it doesn't give them that like, oh, this is the place. Like, this is the one, this is where we're going to stay. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that about, you know, the photos and how much of a, of a strength they can be for a property. I probably funny is not the right word, but I totally agree I will venture to say you would not want me taking pictures of my property unless, Paige, you're going to have to teach me, girl, because <laughs> I am play, not a good photographer. <laughs> okay, so talk to us about some secret tips for if someone is using an iPhone to take pictures of their property, 
What are some of your favorite ninja secrets for them to be able to take better photos? Yes. Okay. So some of the major things, it's really, it comes down to principles and it's about like the angles and the light. Luckily with iPhones and new smartphones, uh, a lot of the light, if you kind of touch it in the right spots, the light is going to be taken care of for you. So it's a lot about the angles. And my biggest secret is to make sure that you have all of your lines lined up, your vertical and horizontal as much as you can. And instead of holding it in front of your face, which most people tend to do, don't hold your phone in front of your face. You're going to want to hold it like down hip level or squat if you want to. Don't hold it like way down by the floor, uh, but bring it just about hip level. And you're going to get like a really nice perspective, more like editorial, just a really a much nicer perspective on the room. And then just consider the shots that you need to have. Consider again, like what people are going to want to see and what's going to tell the story of your property through the pictures. So staging it, it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to go wild, but if you have, if like a big feature or amenity is your coffee bar, like make a cup of coffee, set it at the coffee bar, make it look like inviting for people. And then the post-processing, the editing is a big part of it and just creating a cohesive set of pictures that all have the same vibe. And I am not at all a fan of heavy filters, but are, um, like presets. So I teach Lightroom and it's a really easy like two-step system, but you can just use presets and uh, kind of create just the best show your property in the best light, I guess, while still giving a very realistic idea of what people are going to expect because you don't want people to think they're getting something that they're not either. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I was going to say when it comes to photography, since I am not a good photographer, I obviously always hire a professional, but a lot of times I am on site with the photographer and I'm actually walking with them saying, Hey, can you get this angle? Can you get this little no cubby here? So I, I'm able to share my vision with the photographer of bringing a property story to life without me having to actually photograph it. So that is an option. Absolutely. Wanted to share too, that, you know, many of you know that a lot of my properties are 10 hours away from where I physically live. And so what I will do in that case is I will actually have the photographer call me and uh, text me when he or she is in the property. So I'm able to guide them in real time as they're photographing, even if I am 10 hours away. So That's awesome. I love that you do that. That is really great advice. And because yeah, there are there you're right. There are so many hosts who are remote and they're not there. And I think that that's really solid advice. And I didn't even like honestly consider that like a photographer might be willing to like FaceTime you while you were and so that's I'm going to Well, let me say later. They, they definitely have told me that there's nobody else that they work with that does that. So they, I always say that, you know, they might have a Stacy voodoo doll in their office and they're like, no, she's calling again, you know, but you have good pictures, but you have the good pictures. So it doesn't right. matter. Oh, that's so fun. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit and 
you know, something that I saw on your website, which really resonated with me is this concept of decision fatigue. And I also, I want to talk with you about that because again, for anyone who is listening, who is like me, that you like the end result of a good design, and you might even like some aspects of, you know, decorating a property, it can feel extremely burdensome to do if, again, you're not trained. And then secondarily, once you have looked at different items for so many days at a time, it can all kind of start to feel like mush and it can almost be crippling. And I'm curious if that's how you describe decision fatigue, number one. And number two, what do you do about it? Oh, yeah, that is exactly how I describe decision <laughs> fatigue. And that's, yeah, that's what I like to say to people is that decision fatigue is real. Like it is so real. And I think that, again, a lot of people have, they do have that end vision in mind, but it's just like once it it, it sounds like it's going to be a simple path to get there. And so you buy your property, you close, you furnish, you stock it and you launch. But then you realize that you have to pick out the dining chairs and the dining table and all of the kitchen gadgets. And you have to choose your towels and you have to choose sheets and rug sizes and what are you going to put on the windows and why and you know i mean just you have to you are the person in charge of every single decision and then you start to realize too once you've made some decisions that then you're making others and you're like oh wait but i didn't think about that when i chose these things and now i do i shift do i change what i'm doing or do i i don't it's crazy and so that's the biggest thing with a lot of the clients that I work with, like the consulting clients and a lot of my students is that they just feel kind of lost. And I hate that for them because I know how much time and effort everybody is putting into this and to have them come up with something that isn't that final vision that they were hoping for, like kind of it, it breaks my heart, honestly. I, so that's why my advice is just to follow the process. And it's, a again, if you don't have the training, it's impossible to know what that process is, but it's not impossible to, to learn it. Uh, it's, it's something you can learn and it just makes your life so much easier when you kind of start from the beginning again at the story, then figure out your style, get your concept styled in. Then the next part that I do is the upgrades and you figure out your amenities. And then when you do the function, that's when you do your layouts. And I am the world's biggest fan of furniture layouts. <laughs> it's obviously because I do design, but again, it's something that everybody can learn how to do. Like it's there on the internet and it, they have simple things, but it saves you so much time when you can see your property laid out and it'll even build it for you in 3D really, really quickly and easily. And you can see your property laid out and you can see what's going to fit there. You can see like what size rug looks good. You can try out art on the wall. What size is that? Oh, don't like that. Like I'm going to switch it. That looks good. And then you can make your, like a list of exactly what you need to look for. And that just really, really, really helps with the decision fatigue because you know then what size you need 
and you know exactly the item list of what you need. And it's just like very visual. You can just tack it all off. <laughs> How would one get their hands on software to do furniture layouts? The one that I love, and I use it for my projects, and then I use it for my students too, is Kuhome. And it's, uh, they have a free version. And if you are so inclined, you could probably like figure it out. But it's not, it's, it's simple to learn for sure. And it's definitely something that they make it simple enough that everybody can learn it for sure. And it does, it's, it takes a little bit of time, but I always, I know that people will, when they're in this position of needing to furnish and needing to launch, like you think like, like time is of the essence. I don't, they don't think time is of the essence. It is of the essence. But the unfortunate thing is that when you don't make the plan and you don't get the stuff ahead of time, then you're making the decisions kind of blindly and you end up with the things that don't fit when it's time to install. And then you either have to decide like, do we order something new that does fit or do we just have to like deal with them? And that's, that's a huge bummer. So it's on, in my opinion, it's better to like take the time at the beginning and, and make the plan. Amazing. And so Kuhom, how do you spell that? It's C-O-O-H-O-M. And I honestly don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. I've never heard it said out loud. I just found it. And it's worked great for me for all my client projects. And amazing. So we, is it okay? We will drop a link to that in the show notes. Yes. And yeah, of course. if we are mispronouncing it, we apologize. Okay. I love it. All right. So Paige, I'm also curious from your perspective, how budget and quality is balanced. You know, some, some people say, you know, you pay, you get what you pay for in life. And I, I believe that in furnishings too. I'm curious to get your thoughts, but talk to us about the balance between budget and quality. You said it exactly how I think it. I, I really do believe that you get what you pay for and it is in short-term rentals, it is the trickiest balance because a lot of times I think people don't really view the design part as part of the investment. They view it as an expense and it's a really hard viewpoint to get past and to get around. I think that if we could start looking at the property design as one of the most important parts of the investment that is going to determine the success of your property one way or the other, then I think that people might have a different viewpoint than just, well, we have to do it as cheaply as possible every time. Well, I do obviously understand and can certainly relate to because we have our own properties, the importance of keeping your budget in mind. You're not going to go blow it and buy all restoration hardware, you know, or all like really expensive designer furniture for a property that you're going to have a bunch of big groups just trashing it. You're not going to do that. But you do need to take into account, again, like your nightly rate, what you're going to be charging people, like who's going to be staying there. Again, it comes back to like the story of the property, who's going to be staying there, why they're going to be staying there, what they're going to expect when they stay there. And what your comps have is really like a huge one because you just, a huge part of what I do is just like making sure that you're take what your comps are doing, do that, and then also make it better. And so I, I feel like, again, going off, just going off in all these directions, sorry, and I can try to dial it back. But as far as the budget, it's it really is, it's about 
starting with that story. And I don't think that it's as much about like what budget you have. Some people have this like, oh, I have $20,000 to furnish this property. Maybe you can, but it's more about like what, how much you need <laughs> to furnish the property in order for it to perform the way that you want it to. And some people are amazing at finding things on marketplace and in thrift stores. Honestly, like half of our property here, not half, I would say like all of the small things. I love finding the little details in places like that because those are like the interesting things, like the kind of funky things that tell the story. But when you furnish an entire property from Goodwill or when you furnish an entire property from Facebook Marketplace or Amazon, it, it shows. I mean, it, it, there's, there's no other way to it than, it than it does show. And so again, if that's who you're trying to reach, then like that's cool. But if not, it is worth considering that you can do more for not a ton more money. It's surprising, I think, sometimes to people like, you don't have to spend that much more to get those quality items. And there are some amazing ways that you can save money that are available to hosts. You can save tons of money. Well, might you want to share what some of those oh, I might. I might want money saving ideas might be. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. So shopping sales. I'm a huge fan of shopping sales, not necessarily for stocking items, because you have to rebuy those and then you want them to be able to match. And so it's better to do something you know you'll be able to get again or re, you know, re-up on. But for your furniture and your decor and everything like that, shopping sales is huge. And then discounted purchasing platforms. I am a huge, I'm going to name drop them here. Minoan is my favorite. I love them so much. Use them for everything. And they are wonderful. And they save my clients, uh, my design clients, like I, we save thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars on each project. And same with my students too. It's just, it's amazing what they can do. Love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm also curious too, really quickly about time because I also love shopping sales. And oftentimes when I am furnishing a property, I have a very limited window of time because I'm in Myrtle Beach for four days or, you know, I'm in Hocking Hills for five days, whatever the case might be. I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, how timing plays into the equation with budget and quality? Yes. So that is a really good question. And that's the one downfall of using bigger retailers like Asselm and Crate and Barrel, places like that, because we know like their lead times, even if they say, oh, it's in stock, like you're not going to get it for a month though. Uh, so if you can look in person, that's awesome. But again, going in with your plan. So you're not just like running around like a chicken with your head cut off and grabbing all this stuff and then getting over there and you're like, none of this works. I got to go back to the store. But have if you have a plan, if you know like already what you're looking for, you can just tick off the boxes. That's great. And then if you're not in person, you still, you can, you can do all of this remotely, all of it. You can do all of it remotely. And in that case, again, like shopping the sales, just go, I love Wayfair. I love it. It's got a stigma because people associate like Wayfair sometimes with lower budget or lower quality, but they've got everything. They have the designer brands too. So, and they just will tell you how quickly it'll get there and then they'll follow through on it is the thing. 
So I love using Wayfair and then like TJ Maxx, Target, honestly, like for like the, if you want a really higher end look on lower budget, that's, I love looking at Target and TJ Maxx. They have the dupes. Like I love dupes. Finding those is like gold for me because <laughs> the dupe is like something that is a, I don't want to say knockoff. It's not a knockoff. It's a lookalike of something that's like very expensive designer brand, but somebody's made a lookalike of it that you can get for much less money. Love that. So fun. So many fun resources. All right. I want to move into the lightning round. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to answer with the very first thing that comes to mind, and they're going to be easy. First question is, where is your favorite place to vacation? The world. I could never pick. I can't. I'm sorry. I could never pick. Can you give us the top three? Top three. Okay. Well, so let's see. This past year, we went to Southeast Asia and we went to France and we went to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, and they were all three amazing. (laughs) All three. I loved Bali. I think Bali is somewhere that I would absolutely go back to and spend more time. And it's really hard for me because I love the world. Morocco was another one. We loved Morocco. But yeah, it's hard because I want to go everywhere, every single place. Says the world traveler. I love it. (laughs) Okay. Now, here might be another question that's interesting for you. What's one place you've never been that you want to visit? Antarctica. All right. That one came out fast. We are. That's a big one. It's a big one for us. We are waiting until our boys get a little bit older. We take them everywhere, travel everywhere uh, as a family. And that's really important to us. So we just want to wait till they get a little bit older. We read the book Endurance, which is the story of the explorers that went down there and like got shipwrecked for years and like made it back. It's just wild. It's a wild story. But you can kind of like go retrace the steps of them. And I, we are really excited about that one someday. Wow. Girl, <laughs> you are braver than I am. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Now, what's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you started out in this business? That's a hard question. <laughs> I really think that it, it does come down to just accepting that you don't need or want to be like everybody else and that what's working for somebody else like it is awesome that it's working for them but don't force it into try to making it work for you too you can learn and you can create something amazing and unique for yourself uh without without falling into the same thing cookie cutter i guess there you go all right what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given so my dad for my whole life always liked to quote John Lennon. And he always said to me, sorry, my dad died last year. So this is a one of those things. <laughs> um, he always said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And he said it to me always growing up. And, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, dad, like, whatever. But now, like, you really understand it. And it really uh, has started to ring very true. And that's kind of why we do what we do now we just decided to travel and to do the things kind of live our dreams like when we can we don't know what's going to happen next and we can work and work and work and we do for for things that we want in the future but we never know we never know what's going to happen so i think that like 
keeping your why in mind and just like keeping it, keeping it in mind and living it every day as much as you can is, is really important. That's beautiful. All right. What is one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? I am grateful for my family every day, really every day. But today I think I'm I'm thankful for you today. (laughs) I'm thankful for you. Honestly, honestly, Stacey, like I see what you do for this community and I see the supportive environment that you've created for women and just like no gatekeeping, just sharing. You're kind of like a role model of mine and I think you're amazing and I'm thankful for you and uh, thankful to be here today. So thank you. Oh, well, that gives me goosebumps and- (laughs) Thank you. I did not even pay you to say that, girl. No, <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And candidly, the pleasure is mine. You know, I really honestly feel in a very strange way, like I'm able to help someone else. Like that makes me feel good. And and I like feeling good. Yep. So it's kind of like a self-serving prophecy. I don't, is that the right way to say it? But right. you know, there's something very fulfilling for me to be able to help other people. And so when I get to end my day feeling fulfilled, is that selfish? I mean, yeah, in a strange way it is, you know, but I just, I feel very blessed, you know, and I feel very grateful to even hear you say that about me. Like I look at so many other people and I think we all, all have the ability to make an impact on someone else through our own stories and experiences. And I think that's also one of the beauties of having this podcast and this platform to talk with you, you know, just the story that you just said about your dad. I had to like really think about what that meant. And then I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, we're, we're working our buns off for our future, but what about life that's happening today? And don't lose sight of that. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. Yeah. Paige, this has been so fun. I'm curious if someone wants to learn more about your business or potentially have you working alongside them or learning from you, what is the best place for them to reach you online? I'm all over, so you can find me anywhere. Uh, but my website is www.hayes and co.com. And then I'm on social media as uh, at Hayes and Company. So it's it's got underscores, but if you just type in Paige Hayes or Hayes and Company, you'll find me. <laughs> and that's H A Y E S. That's right. Thank you. Paige, thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Now, before we sign off, I want to share a quick shout out for all of the amazing women inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Just a few days ago, Hannah Shockley asked a question and she had so many amazing ladies responding back to her. Hannah asked, how many of you name your place? How important is it? How do you choose? I've been thinking on it for a month and I'm just struggling. And let me tell you, 28 women jumped in to encourage Hannah and share their feedback. Heather nicely says, I definitely name my place because it helps people talk about it and remember how to find us. And it's just a marketable aspect of the business when selling. 
you create a brand around the property. I am a fan. It's also way easier internally to refer to a name instead of an address or a property ID once you have a larger portfolio. Heather, what great words of advice. All right, my friends, I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you back here next week. Talk to you soon. Okay, sister, are you ready to start making your short-term rental dreams a reality but feeling lost, stuck, or just overwhelmed? Here's what I know for sure. You deserve everything you're dreaming of and you deserve to get it with ease, support, and joy. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar and watch my free masterclass where you will get the scoop on how to leave your W-2 and start building your dream life with five simple steps. If you're ready to have more time to spend with friends and family doing the things you love, adding a ton of zeros to your bank balance and start living your short-term rental dream, you need to watch this masterclass. Head over to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar right now to start watching. That's stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar and I will see you there.